Good afternoon. I want to thank you all for being so faithful, for supporting the church, even though you can't come in and be here. In New Zealand, we've just gone through a second lot of COVID and they've actually closed down our whole city. So the police stop you at the borders and ask you where you're going and they send you home if you haven't got a good reason to be on the road. And that's going to last for the next two weeks. So we're still going through this horrible journey and I know Japan is having issues. So, you know, I just pray that we'll come through this and we'll be strengthened. But thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for supporting the people of MCC who go to the trouble of doing everything. Now, I'm going to be preaching on the same topic for the next two or three times because I believe it's something that we all need to learn. We need to discover what our spiritual gifts are. Now, another title would be the tools that God gave the church to build his kingdom, the tools that God gave us. Now, I'm going to start by talking about history. It's all about history that we learn things. You've got history in your family. Uh, your country has history. And our history helps shape us, makes us into all sorts of things that have happened in the past. Now, in the Bible, we see that it's a book full of history. You see, God created for us a perfect world, but he gave mankind a will and a choice of free will. And of course, we know from history that we messed that up. And then Satan, who was an arch rival to God, he came in and he has had sway on the world for many, many centuries. And we know the destruction that has gone on as a result. But you see, God wanted to get people back to loving him, to honoring him. So he started in history with a nation, the Israelites. And he said, now, I'll show you and you be a missionary nation. You show the people around you that I love you, that I care for you. But we know that on many occasions, the Israelite people failed to do that. So God went to his best plan. He said, I'll send my son Jesus to the world. And we know the history of that. Jesus came down. He was divinely conceived. So he was a man without sin, but he lived for 30 years doing life just like you and I, working and living. But then something happened. He had a baptism. He wanted to start his ministry. So he was baptized. And we know that in that baptism, the Holy Spirit came down and anointed him. For the next three years, we know biblical history tells us that Jesus went around and he healed people. He encouraged them. He loved them. He loved the unlovely. And he showed the world that God really loves us as a people. And I think that that was a wonderful ministry. But you see, Satan wanted to destroy the world. He wasn't interested in us loving God as our Heavenly Father. And so he did everything he could to dissuade Jesus. And Jesus finally went to the cross. But something miraculous happened. And history tells us that 2,000 years ago, he took the punishment for our sin and our rebellion towards his father. He defeated the power of Satan. 
and he raised up from the dead. He defeated death. Now, what a time of history that was. You see, he only had a small group to help him, 12 disciples who he had walked with and taught for three years because God was stepping up the fight to reclaim people's lives from Satan. And he wanted the good news to go globally. At that stage, it was only in a small part of the world, but God's intention was the good news was going to go global. And so he wanted to encourage all men, you and I, to experience his love and grace and mercy. And so God began the church. He raised up an army of followers, ordinary people like you and I, to help Jesus. And Jesus knew he was leaving the planet for a period of time. And so he commissioned his disciples, his followers, to go and do what he did and what he could do. And he raised up people to do something that we weren't capable of doing. We saw that in Acts chapter 1, that the Holy Spirit came down just like when Jesus was baptized and anointed the people, empowered the people, gave them an understanding of who God was. But he wanted something else to happen. And so they were the first group of believers They were empowered, like Jesus, to go out and spread the good news. But they needed help. Let me say that again. Those early disciples needed help. They needed help to have that task to build a strong church. The church was going to be the group of faithful followers that became Christians. And so we learn from history that God gave the church help. He gave them not only the gift of the Holy Spirit personally, but he also gave them, through the Holy Spirit, gifts that would help build the church. Now, I talked about a toolbox last time I preached. You see, God wanted each person who loved his son, who had received salvation through the forgiveness that God offered, we needed a toolbox to do the job. Now, on the picture... I'll show you my display board in my garage at home. Now, that is in my workshop. That's some of the tools that I use when I go out and help people doing various tasks. Now, there's a big range. Why is it so big? You see, I can't do stuff with just a hammer. I can't do stuff with a pair of pliers. I do need a range of skills and a range of tools to do the jobs that I get asked to do. They're all very useful for my building work. And so I've just shown you that because we can't do things without a range of tools helping us. You see, we're always wanting to do things for God. We have to be equipped to serve God. We need a toolbox. We can't do it just by ourselves. And so here goes a question. What tools has God put in your toolbox? What gifts and talents has he given you to help you in your life to serve him? This is a very important part of being a Christian. We're told we don't just have a faith that takes us into the future, but we're also asked to serve. We've been commissioned to go and help Jesus do the tasks that he started. And it's a wonderful task to serve the living God. But God knew that we lacked the ability 
to do this task on our own. And so that's why God has given us his help. Now today, I'm going to start a three-part series that is all about the tools that God has given each one of us to have the ability to do the task he has called us to do. Gifts that help us to do the practical mission work, just as Jesus did to spread the gospel. Now let me make this point very clearly. You see, we're not equipped to do the work of Jesus has called us to do without his tools to do the job. This is why God has equipped us. We can't do it by ourselves. We need God's help. Now, the Bible tells us there are about 25 spiritual gifts or tools that have been given by God to help us in his work, help us to build the church. And the church, of course, goes out into the community and achieves all the things that God wants us to do. Now, I included the list of those 25 gifts in your newsletter. I included the scripture so that you can do your own study, and I would encourage you to do so. Now, all believers, you and I, should discover and use the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Now, what is the best gift that you've ever received? Think back over the years. When I was 10, I got a brand new bike. I loved that bike and I went everywhere on it. It was a gift that really I loved and I used, and I used it a lot. But what is the best gift that you have received from God? Now, most of us would probably say our salvation, and indeed that is true. Our salvation is Christ's greatest gift that we could be given. But God has given us more than just salvation to us as disciples. He actually gives gifts to each Christian, now listen to this, for a specific purpose in building his kingdom. I'll say that statement again. He gives each one of us his gifts for a specific purpose to help build his kingdom. Now, Paul informs the Corinthian church about these spiritual gifts. He gives them instructions on what some of them are and why God gives them to us. I believe it's very important that we understand this. This is why we're going to spend a little bit of time discovering the point of the gifts that God has given us. Now, my hope is that each person in MCC will discover the ways that God has gifted them for ministry. Listen to this and will then know the joy of using those gifts, not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, I'm going to get Lynn to read that scripture. It's from the Living Bible, perhaps not your usual Bible, but I believe this version makes it very clear. And I'll title it, The Use of Spiritual Gifts. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. And now, brothers... I want to write to you about the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives to each of you. For I don't want any misunderstanding about them. You will remember that before you became a Christian, you went around from one idol to another, not one of which could speak a single word. But now you are meeting people who claim to speak messages from God, from the Spirit of God. How can you know whether they are really inspired by God or whether they are fakes? Here is the test. 
No one speaking by the power of the Spirit of God can curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord and really mean it unless the Holy Spirit is helping him. Now God gives us many kinds of special abilities, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service to God, but it's the same Lord we are serving. There are many ways in which God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work in and through all of us who are his. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Someone else may be specially good at studying and teaching, and this is his gift from the same Spirit. He gives special faith to another and to someone else the power to heal the sick. He gives power for doing miracles to some and to others power to prophesy and preach. He gives someone else the power to know whether evil spirits are speaking through those who claim to be giving God's message or whether it is really the Spirit of God who is speaking. Still another person is able to speak in languages he never learned and others who do not know the language either are given power to understand what he is saying. It is the same and only Holy Spirit who gives all these gifts and powers, deciding which each one of us should have. Thank you, Lynn. You see, now let's go through and begin to understand why we're given those 25 gifts. Only some are mentioned in that passage, but we'll cover the rest. Now, the first thing we've got to learn today is that spiritual gifts are given uniquely to each Christian. Verses 1 to 11. Verse 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. Now, let me say this again. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. You know, that means that each person has one or more gifts that God has given them. Now, let me say sorry to you. If you're a born-again child of God, you can't use the excuse that you don't have a gift to use for the work of the kingdom. You see, there are no pew-sitters in the body of Christ. Everyone has been given something to do. Isn't that amazing? We all have been given gifts to use. Verse 7 says, so we can help each other. That's the importance of coming to church. We can help and strengthen and care for each other. This shows the purpose of the gifts. Now listen, that the gifts that God gives us are not for our own personal benefit or our own glory. You see, they're given to each one of us so that we can help each other. Or as the Living Bible says, the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. You see, you're meant to use your spiritual gifts to make a difference in this world. First Peter 4 verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well 
to serve one another. Paul makes the point that not everyone has the same gifts, but not one person has all the gifts. You see, no one has 25 gifts. We've all got one or more, but not everyone has all the gifts. Now, why is that? Why didn't God not give them out like perhaps in greater need? Well, in his infinite wisdom, God knows which spiritual gifts should be given to us, to which individuals. And he gives them accordingly. He knows us, and he knows which gifts he will give. Now, here's an illustration. As a father, I wanted to be totally fair to my own two children, Debbie and Stephen. And when I gave them gifts at Christmas or perhaps birthdays, I gave a certain thing to one, and I felt I needed to give the other a gift of the same value or type of gift. But you know, that wasn't possible to do that, and it wasn't always good. It was really better for my kids if I gave them gifts that they really enjoyed because it suited their unique personality. For instance, our son loves sports, so there was no better gift than giving him a new football or a baseball bat or sporting activity gifts. Our daughter loved to make things, and the best gift for her was perhaps buying a whole pile of wool to knit a jersey or a craft to do. Now listen to this very carefully. God does the same with us. He knows us infinitely better than we even know ourselves. And he gives different spiritual gifts to each of us, not in fairness or equality, but according to who we are and what he sees. Now listen to this, what we would enjoy and be fruitful in using. Now sometimes, and you might have had this experience, we can sometimes feel a little envious. This idea of not getting the same gift as someone it can bring feelings of jealousy or envy. There are some gifts that we would love to have. For example, I'd love to be able to sing, but it doesn't matter how hard I try, I haven't got that gift. Um, I know others have. The Cisco certainly have, but I haven't. Um, but what we've got to learn is that we're all part of the same team. We all belong to a group, all doing different things, and that brings balance to the church. Now, here's a statement. To function properly, does the church need only a few to play their part? I'll say that again because it is important. To function properly, does the church need only a few to play their part? Now, I have written no, 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 no after that. You see, to function properly, for MCC to really function the church needs everyone to play their part. Everyone plays an important part. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27 is another reading Lynn is going to do. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. Our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body when they are all put together. So it is with the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. 
we have been baptized into Christ's body and by the one Spirit, and we have all been given the same Holy Spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And what would you think if you heard an ear say, I'm not part of the body because I'm only an ear and not an eye? Would that make it any less a part of the body? So suppose the whole body were an eye. Then how would you hear? Or if the whole body were just one big ear, how would you smell anything? But that isn't the way God has made us. He's made us many parts for our bodies and has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it only had one part. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. Yes, we are especially glad to have some parts that seem rather odd, and we carefully protect from the eye of others those parts that should not be seen. Well, of course, the parts that may be seen do not require this special care. So God has put the body together in such a way that extra honour and care are given to those parts that might otherwise seem less important. This makes the happiness among the parts, so that the parts have the same care for each other that they do for themselves. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honoured, all parts are honoured. Now here is what I am trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Thank you. Now, we all need to understand this verse. See, all of you together are Christ's body. The church and each view is a part of it. Paul uses the familiar example of our own bodies to make a point that the church is a body too. Just as there are certain parts of the body which are more visible and seem to be important, there are parts of the body of Christ which are more visible and may seem to be more important. But as Paul, now listen to this, as Paul points out, both our bodies and the church cannot function without the less notable parts doing their job. One part helps the other. So it is in the church that there are some who are given spiritual gifts which allow them to do public upfront ministries. And we see that every week, people at the front. But there are others who are given spiritual gifts which allow them to do behind the scenes, excel in behind the scenes areas. And we see that week after week. Some are gifted in ways that are supernatural and bring supernatural results, results that we would say are not human, and that's important. Others are gifted in ways that are absolutely essential to the healthy functioning of the church, 
but will never attract attention of many people. The important thing for all of us to remember is that as a part of the body of the church, we all have a purpose. We all have a purpose. In my second church, I had an old person who their sole function was to open and shut the windows during the summer every Sunday. That's all they did. But it would have been terribly hot if they hadn't have done that particular task. They loved it, and I loved them doing it. And I put huge value on everybody. I didn't care what they did. As long as they were doing it, they were helping build the church. Now, let me repeat a statement and make it personal. You see, we all have a purpose. You all have a purpose in the body of Christ, the church. And the rest of the body needs you to do what you have been called to do. If we don't, then the body suffers. You might say, my task isn't very big. You might only come and put out the seats on a Sunday or tidy it up. You might do just behind-the-scenes stuff. But, boy, you are valued and you are important. Because if you don't, the body suffers. If you have someone next to you, now, here's a little task. If you've got someone sitting next to you, or you may not have, and you can think this, but I want to tell you that you can tell them that the church, that God needs you, and he needs your gifts to help build his kingdom. So turn to someone next to them and say, hey, God needs you. He needs your gifts to help build the church. And if you're by yourself, just think it. You see, we're all given gifts to fulfill certain purposes in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So each one of us is designed for certain purposes. We're created by God, we're gifted by him to fulfill a certain purpose in the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, it's very satisfying to function in your personal gifting. See, no one person can do everything the church needs to do. Now, I've been in churches where people say, oh, well, it's the pastor's job. He's getting paid. He can do it. But basically, if the jobs are shared, it can cause huge stress on a pastor uh, and the leaders if they're expected to do everything and to work outside their giftings. Now, Jesus took 12 assistants or disciples to help him. He showed the way. He showed how important it was to have help. Some of them were very public in their role, like Peter, James, and John. Others worked quietly in the background, and their names are not even heard after their appointment. Maybe someone like Thaddeus. Um, some of you probably couldn't name 12 disciples, and yet Jesus chose them very deliberately to say, hey, I want a team, and each person has got their part to play. Now, that's why I think this church is made up of many people who have been given different gifts and talents. But it takes each member of the church to discover and to put into practice their spiritual gifts for the sake of others to change the spiritual landscape of MCC, of Kichijoji, and far beyond. You see, no one can do it alone. But if we all do what we're gifted to do, the impossible becomes possible. And the church can be all that God intended it to be. You see, MCC wasn't 
just created just to fill a gap in the street. It was created for a purpose. It was put where it is. People are here because God wanted you here. Some of you might think I just turn up week after week and take my seat, sing the songs, put my offering in the collection and go home. No, you're wrong in your thinking. You're actually here for a purpose. God has blessed you by giving you a wonderful church to come to. Now what we have to do is to discover where we can fit in and be a blessing not only to the church but to the people that we can build a strong church. This is why I say MCC is a powerful group of people. You may not be powerful politically or financially, but you're powerful because you've got God behind you giving us gifts to extend his kingdom into our community. You see, it's an important part of the story here at MCC. God has brought you here, whether it's a long-term resident or maybe stationed here in Japan for a limited time, because he has work for you to do. You're not here by mistake. You're here to fulfill his purposes, and what a blessing you can be. When we all willingly see ourselves as part of the body, in Jesus' name, we'll be able to accomplish extraordinary things. I believe we'll see supernatural things happen. We'll see more people discover faith in Jesus Christ. We'll see lives changed. We'll see families changed. We'll see eternity changed. Now, some of you listening now live in different parts of the world, but God can and wants to use you wherever you are. If each of us discovers the gifts that God has given us and begin using them as he has designed for the common good of our community, wherever we are living. You see, we all have a point wherever we are. You don't have to be at MCC to function. You can be functioning wherever God has put you. And we'll see a time of real growth, both in depth of relationships with each other, and I believe also in numbers, and in a deeper personal relationship with Jesus Christ because we are working according to his plan. We should be excited to see how God will bless us as we step out in faith. As we look at this series, we'll look more closely next time that I preach at what some of these gifts are. We'll discover that some people do have those gifts, and I just hope that they are functioning as they're meant to do to build up the body of Christ to be effective in the community. Now, I'm going to pray, and I would like you to pray with me. God, we want to be part of this body of faith serving you. Help us all to discover our spiritual gifts and give us opportunities to show us ways to use our spiritual gifts with enthusiasm and effectiveness for the common good of this body and our community. Thank you for giving all faith-filled believers the desire to serve your body here at MCC or wherever they are placed in the world. We are thankful that in this generation, we can continue the work that you and commissioned us to do. Amen. Now, we will continue to look at the different spiritual gifts God has given to build his church in the next couple of times. But let me just finish by saying this, that there may be people sitting in the congregation, maybe some of you are listening, maybe 
you're part of a family who, who loves coming to church and you're having to sit because they're watching on the TV. But let me assure you, if you haven't got a personal relationship with God, if you've never accepted that Jesus is God's son, that he loves to hear you ask for his forgiveness for the things that we have done to offend a holy God, that he would love you just to consider that, allow the Holy Spirit to listen and to encourage you to become a committed Christian, born-again Christian, born-again spiritually, so that you can enjoy not only this life, but also an amazing future, that you can discover giftings that God has put in your life so that you can become effective and encouraged and an encourager. And I would just pray that if you don't have a personal faith, you may have been in the church for a long time and just sat here, but if you've never accepted Jesus as your saviour, your friend, yeah, that he died for you on the cross and he did it because he had you in mind. He knew your name and he wants you to be part of his family. And so may you, yeah, may you just listen to that prompting that you should give over your life. And then once you've done that, realise that to serve him is one of the greatest things you could ever do. And I just ask God's blessing on you as you think about those things. Let me say bless you again and thank you for being part of the service.